0: art society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues including dark art as well as other kinds of art literature film music also culture philosophy dreams paranormal experiences magic and a whole lot more than that i'm mike Carell director of chet's art i like to paint monsters and you are listening to the dark art society podcast hosted by renowned artist
1: chet Zarr. what's up mike mike hey chet hey <laughs> chat your your uh, you your video and audio is way better it's so weird because it was bad before. All
0: uh, now
1: you are stop moving around so much i think that's part of the problem
0: yeah i'm sure that that's affecting <laughs> <laughs> well this is a great way to start the dark art society podcast no kidding Chet's going to light a cigarette. He's ready to go. Well, I'm just going to introduce our guest then, since Chet's too busy lighting his cigarette. I wish I could smoke, but I I don't smoke inside my house, as everyone already knows, except for our guest, Steve Johnson, the amazing and incredible Steve Johnson, is here with us to talk about Rubberhead, as well as a variety of other things. Steve, welcome.
2: Hey, thank you so much. How you doing? I'm doing great, and I I have to say, this is actually the first bit of publicity that I'm doing for Rubberhead Volume 2. And uh, as a result, I'm fairly nervous for a bunch of reasons. Oh, um, come on. No, no, no. Number one, I have to be on. I have to be clever. I have to be engaging. But number two, you two guys are like the only two guys on the planet that I would enjoy sitting around and talking to about anything that has nothing to do with rubberhead. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> can talk about so many other things me <laughs> to <laughs> talk about makeup.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, you know, uh, we, we'll go a little extra long with you because uh, Steve is, for, for those of you who don't know, Steve... I have a a special relationship with with Steve, and Steve, you probably don't even know this, but um, when I was in makeup effects, I mean, Steve is this legendary makeup effects artist who had probably one of the coolest shops in town uh, during its run, and uh, I was at, in the 90s, I was working for Tony Gardner, I was like a lifer there, and you guys were always like the competition for us, we were always like bidding against jobs. It was you and who else were
2: Kevin Yeager, the three oh, right. of we're up and coming. And it was just like, man, I, could, I remember on Bill and Ted Go to Hell, I wanted that job so badly that I, I did like a little bit of espionage. I pretended to be the producer because it <laughs> came right down to the wire. Like, and I was going to buy a house. I'd already had the house picked out. I was an escrow, but I couldn't buy the house if I didn't get Bill and Ted to go to hell. And so I was <laughs> back from them and it was killing me. And I knew our designs were better. And so I pretended to be the producer and I called Kevin Yeager. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that was the end. That no way. Up. Wow. Wow. Well,
2: Said, uh, Mister Producer, it's funny that you're calling on the phone because you're here in the studio right now. Uh,
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> I
2: busted
1: myself. It was That's worth great. a try. <laughs> no, it was. It, there was definitely this kind of jealousy because for for me especially because I never worked at your shop and you you Rob Botine and your shop are the two shops I I wanted to work at. But I was like comfortable at Tony's and and you know he kept me working. So I was in that, you know, comfortable spot to where I didn't have to go and work at another shop. So, but it's like, I secretly always wanted to work at Rob's and at your place, because I thought you.
2: I patterned myself after Rob. I mean, I really did. I mean, more so than Rick Baker or even Dick Smith, because Rob had these crazy ideas that can only come from psychosis. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah, but it it was, it was not only the, the craziness of your designs, but it was just the, the quality of work was amazing. I was, it was always impressive. I remember we worked, uh, remember we did freaked where they split yes. the, they split the, uh, effects jobs between three, yeah, three Ford, shops.
2: George, Tony and I think myself. Yeah. 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 Wow, and you well, get, why
1: would they do that? That was like a thing that they did back then. It was like a trend.
2: They, they did. I think that they felt like, um, the, cause they did it a lot. Mm-hmm. I think the first time I experienced that was on nightmare on Elm street part four which uh mad george and i don't know who else put the effects up on that but i think the producers would get nervous because these effects were these films were so effects heavy they're like these all these shop owners are 22 We right. can't million <laughs> and expect them to pull this off our movie will be ruined there was no digital fallback then so if the effect didn't work it was all over the movie would be right so they kind of split it up and i hated that because I, I i thought to myself wait just a minute here um you hire me and I'll hire Tony Gardner. I'll hire Kevin Gardner. I'll George. Just let it all come from one mind. Yeah. So that
1: was, that was a trend back then. Yeah, it's kind of, I think it's kinda <laughs> kinda of, kind of stupid myself, but I remember going on set and seeing the the Big Daddy Roth dudes you guys made. The those are yeah. fucking unbelievable. They were so cool. Those are like some of the coolest makeups I'd ever seen. I was that I was, was- so jealous! I got the cowboy. I had to do the cowboy, and it's like that was cool. It was cool, it. but it was it wasn't what I, I wanted to do. The, the crazy shit like you were doing.
2: Yeah, but man, that stuff was idiotic. I mean, they were more five hundred pounds of motors on their backs.
1: It was cool. Pissing
2: these things. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. They're so yeah, cool. Mike,
0: look at <laughs> can't talk this is way. the first time this is the first time Steve's ever seen me because we have interacted only on the telephone so he doesn't know what a crazy smiley guy I am like he's gonna find out right quick that like I smile kind of endlessly it's almost nauseating
2: <laughs> Facebook friends I see your smile and your cowboy hat all the time <laughs> but it's different to see
0: my face like moving in front of you you know I'm what I mean me stop it <laughs>
1: okay, okay. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so anyway, that, that's kind of my relationship with Steve. Like we didn't really know each other, but I knew of his I work for
2: a second, Chad, I'm going to interrupt you for yeah. a second. I say something very horrible. I, you know, I, one of the reasons, again, I'm nervous about this is because I really respect your work. I respect both of you, uh, you know, as human beings, first and foremost, oh, beyond you. the artist thing, but what the fuck dark man really?
1: <laughs> what, what about it?
2: <laughs> you you have to ask that question. You sculpted it right. Yes, I sculpted it. <laughs> Who designed it? Who designed it? Tony did. Okay, well then fuck Tony.
1: <laughs> I it was
2: He had no lips. How does he have
1: hey, That was not it was, it, it, had it, nothing it, to do it, with it, me.
2: This is normal and half is, is
1: <laughs> Come on. Don't I don't thought it, I
2: I worked did, I worked did you ever, and I don't like. And I had to bring it up publicly here. Sorry. I
1: had uh, no. I. 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 It wasn't. I didn't even want to do that job. Actually, there was another. Actually, it was. Was it Lord of Illusions? No, that wasn't. No, that wasn't Lord. There was some other show going on that I really want. Oh, Army of Darkness, maybe. There was something really cool going on, and I wanted to work on, and yeah, I couldn't because I was doing did, Dark
2: Man. We did uh, Army of Darkness, and Lord of Illusions was um, again. They split the work up. More. Mm-hmm. We did some more.
1: Yeah, 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 we did something on that, but yeah, it was uh I I did the best with the design, you know. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't into the the no lip thing, but um it was funny too cuz it was like, you know, overlapping pieces like this big in the back of the head that didn't need to be overlapping. It was way overly elaborate. Oh man. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Should we, should we talk about something else? Should we pass the book? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we got plenty of time here. We got plenty of time. So, um, yeah, the, I, I read the, the uh, volume one of Rubberhead, and it was to- totally amazing. The pictures alone are worth the book, but the writing, the story behind it is insane. I couldn't believe when I first saw you, you posted like a sample years ago, I think, right, on Facebook, yeah, and I was like, I cannot believe he's writing this book because it's like, a total tell-all of, it's you know, career suicide. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing, and I was like, I can't believe he's doing this, and I also can't c- believe you didn't get a book deal out of it because it's like incredible. I mean, this, the information—I don't. It's like they didn't realize what they were passing up. Maybe.
2: Well, listen, the book, the the publishing industry is uh, on its last legs. It's 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 worse than the makeup effects industry <laughs> it is. It's like, so, okay, here's what I do. I work my entire life. I claw, I bleed, I get to somewhat the top of the mountain of makeup effects, right? And then it all crumbles around me. So in my vast wisdom, I go, okay, well, what else should I do for the rest of my life? Oh, I know. I'll join another failing business. I might as well have decided to become <laughs> a fifty-five-year-old rock star. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody buys music anymore. It's like <laughs> that's next. <laughs>
1: hey, but you're making it happen, though. I mean, that's the cool thing about um, crowdfunding—is you can do it. it you can it's do very- it. You know, people think, and, and I know that you do crowdfunding a lot with Mike, but
2: you know, people think that it's got a little bit of a. A, a kind of a bad rap because people think it's begging that's and only also, for
1: people who don't know about it though once I you know about, about, about
2: it it's about not a couple of days ago and the fact is it is the opposite of begging absolutely doing, it's like making a movie you're creating a company that has to deliver under insane time uh, ratios and it just you got a deliver. it's a huge company that you have to create yeah and it's it's not begging; it is quite the opposite of begging. No, it's- no, it, it, oh.
1: the, that's the funny thing is that generally the rewards are, um, you know, cheaper than if you were to buy them from like a, a store. Every at least the way I ran my Kickstarters, everything was slightly discounted. So you're getting way more for your money. So it's the op- it is the opposite of begging. I think people that uh, do that or uh, who, who look poorly upon it are either haters or they don't understand crowdfunding because it's the best thing to happen to artists ever, I think
0: well and Chet how many times have you had a backer how many times have you had a backer Chet say you know I'm just really glad that I could be a part of it you know right. and even if they only put down six bucks what they get out of it is that intrinsic sensation of actually being involved in the creation of something that's much bigger than perhaps they might be able to do on their own mm-hmm. And, and yeah. that, there's a lot of value in that and sentimental value in that and long term communications where we're letting them know hey here's where we're at here's where we're at It's it's like you're building a relationship with these people for years and years
1: yeah and not only that you're able to fund the things that you want to see rather than you're just you know what you're offered out there you're you know you're not always going to find the things the movies or the books that you want to read necessarily out there but you can find them being created and you could help you know put your money into things that matter to you so yeah I'm all it's for it true.
2: and it's like it's like Instagram or Twitter it's like you can suddenly be best friends with all of your heroes you know you can talk to
1: them yep. yeah, no, it's yeah. True. Yep. yeah it's yep. de- democratizing uh the whole celebrity culture and stuff. So I'm I'm all for it. I think it's great. I think it's great that you're doing it too, because it's it's the perfect project to do. Uh, well, I'm crowdfunding. really
2: looking forward to volume two. I really am more so than volume one, because when I did volume one, I had no idea how crowdfunding worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I just I, I was not very involved in the promotion of the, of the campaign, um, and I didn't even know if we would fund or if we would get a million dollars the first day. I just had no idea. Yeah, how yeah. The way I, I liken it is like um, running a Kickstarter campaign is, is like, because I love gambling. I love going to Vegas. It's light gambling. But when I put money down on a roulette wheel, it takes maybe 40 seconds for it to click, 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 stop. This is a roulette wheel that goes for 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you're just like every. I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and how much money did I get?
1: You know? Yeah, yeah, I know it's stressful. Oh, Dur- during well, a camp, yeah, they should add, you know, they say the most stressful times of a person's life are moving, divorce, and the death of a loved one. They should add a kickstart, a crowdfunding campaign into that. Well, I got
0: <laughs> What's that? Steve, I can Steve, I can't believe we haven't even talked about gambling yet. I didn't know you were into gambling. I did, you know, you, I worked in casinos for 17 years. So it's kind of interesting that you and I've not even managed to have that conversation because we've been so busy talking about the Kickstarter and stuff that, you know, yeah. So you and I could probably have some fun times talking about gambling <laughs> and casinos. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, Kickstarter is gambling.
2: It's, it's really, it's, it, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, so and yes. you're
0: wagering all your time and energy and resources, and it's a significant amount of that. And so that's the, you know, that's your bet. It's like, hey, I'm going to put down all my time and energy and my enthusiasm. I'm going to network all these people because I believe in this thing, you know. And like you said, at the end of that 30 days, you find out, hopefully, you find out sooner than the end of the 30 days, <laughs> you know, whether or not that wager was worth it. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it, it,
2: it, it's really fun. And the, the fact is, um, you know, running a Kickstarter. A lot of people will say that, uh, you know, well, why don't you just publish the book on your own? Yeah. You know, yeah like your own <laughs> but the fact of the matter is this, the thing that's so great about Kickstarter is that it forces you to do this incredible blitzkrieg of publicity that you wouldn't do. otherwise. Right. I mean, even if this book was published throughout the, the normal channels that you know, they would rob me and I wouldn't make any money and it would be a nightmare. Um, they wouldn't publicize as much as all of us are doing right now. Right. Because my job every day for 30 days, the, certainly the 30 days of the Kickstarter campaign, but also, you know, leading up in the pre-launch, my job is to publicize the holy hell out of it. And if there wasn't that fire lit under me, it, you wouldn't do it. Right. And so Kickstarter is just, it's beautiful in all aspects. I oh, think. yeah. Unless, unless you don't fund, but I yeah. we'll
1: have- <laughs> No, you're gonna make it for sure. Yeah. Why don't you explain to people what the Rubberhead series is all about? I want to know for one, if for those of you, for those who are listening that haven't uh, read the first volume, to explain to us what the whole series is about. And I also want to know how many books are there going to be? Because as soon as that one was done, as soon as I finished reading it, I was like, God damn it! I want the second one. Like I wanted I to the- keep going because it was so That's- good
2: cliffhanger thing. The thing is, I wrote it. I wrote Rubberhead as a memoir, a straightforward Anthony Bourdain kitchen confidential kind of memoir. Um, and it's a thousand pages because I can never shut my fucking mouth oh, up.
1: That's great. And so that,
2: that's, <laughs> that's, that's really long. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, um, it, you know, through the, the whole process ended up, uh, you know, I, I, I actually got in a bizarre twist of fate. I've got Anthony Bourdain's agent. You know, signed, oh, really? You know? Yep. And he couldn't sell it. He just could We got so close with the big publishers and couldn't sell it. And they wanted me to change it. And they wanted to do all these things, blah, 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 the same old story. They wanted right. me to take out the time travel, the Walter Mitty daydreams, all the stuff that was the heart and soul of the book. Right. And right. so it just didn't work out. But ultimately what happened was I finally just, because I didn't want to put pictures. I did, was not a picture book. It was right. my mind. It was this mind meld between the reader and the writer, and I just wanted them to understand my story and all the things I had to say about the business and computer technology and life and love and loss and all of these things that I've been through. I mean, it was if you if you boil it all down, I mean, that's what the book is about. But I realized that I'd be losing ten thousand sales if I didn't put photographs <laughs> in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: but it's it's great too because it works on two levels because it does work. Uh, on a, liter- well, on a literary level, you know,
2: but. It, but, the, but but so we split it into five volumes, and each volume really only has 200 pages of text in it. But it's really cool because it's not just text; it's got blood splatters and right. lizards you know, and all kinds of cool stuff. So it's a very visual. It's like it's like a, a it's like a makeup effect in a way. I and mean, I couldn't help myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's per- it's perfect. That's the thing is, you know, you had this Id- specific idea for it, and you couldn't get it published. Um from tr- traditional channels, and you were kind of pushed into doing it this other way that's actually better, I think for the project it is. you know what I mean that's, that's when you when you're true. open to these things, when you're open to things changing, you end up you know getting a better thing I think
2: yeah, well, you, if you know, can them yeah. join them right and 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 now you know instead of one book and the thing is you know I, I think that it will have legs and I think the more volumes that get published and there are five volumes already written already written them all, they need edits, of course right. but. I think that it will have legs. And I think, you know, we're working on a television show right now. I mean, I've got, Oh really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I can't help myself. It's written very cinematically That's because awesome. of 15,000 scripts in my life. So I can't help, but you know, absorb that and spit it back out right. and the way I communicate. And so everybody that reads it goes, my God, this should be a Netflix series or this should be, totally, this should
1: man. Call.
2: So yeah, there's uh we've been working for over a year with some really big people at Sony and The thing about it is, again, it's just like trying to get the book published. They keep wanting to change it. They're like, I mean, it's like. Yeah, they know better. (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, do I take the money and just do it their way and it gets out there? Or do I just walk away like an artiste and say, fuck y'all? Yeah. (laughs) Which is what I do with Kickstarter. But no, I think I should take the money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. You know, it's like th- there's always going to be a certain amount of compromise when somebody else is footing the bill. So yeah, it's just you got to weigh out whether the compromise is something you could live with or not, you know?
2: Well, and also the fact that who knows what would spring from. Right. This. Yeah. Yeah. If it turns into something, that, what they want to do right now. Is make it a little bit more like a documentary, mm-hmm. as opposed to the you know the time traveling insanity and the actual stories.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, they're like, oh, we can get John Landis, we can get you know Jean Claude Van Damme. Man, shit! And I'm like, well, yeah, no, that's good, but that's have you read the book? It's <laughs> that's not what the book is.
1: <laughs> I don't so, know. I, yeah. I would I would enjoy. It. I love. I'm a documentary freak. Like I love documentaries, so I would be very happy with the documentary version of it myself. I
2: it's not my book. It's not the story. This is the problem well, I I mean, I'm meeting with these people. They they, 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 it's. But, but again, it's like you know, it, 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 with each volume that gets published, it becomes more of a real thing, hmm. and maybe start taking me seriously. And it's not like I'm going to go and say, no, you can't do it that way. It just, it, it's seriously getting into television. It, you would think these days there's so much content needed. With, right. I mean, my God in heaven, look at Netflix. Yeah. I mean. It's ridiculous how much there's more content being produced now than ever in the history of film and television. So you'd think they would just snatch this up, but right. it's, it's really tough to get into. It's so hard. It's like climbing Mount Everest with two broken legs on acid. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it is impossible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's, I've heard that for years as far as getting films made, you know, it's, it's like, People have more than one project. They're always pitching because it's you know the likelihood of your one project hitting is is slim. So you have to have like a bunch of other stuff and backup. You know, it's a drag. But now you don't. But the thing is, is you know even a a, a show could be produced through Kickstarter. You know, that's a possibility <laughs> as well. A, a web series or whatever. Just, or,
2: didn't Wes Anderson just shoot his new movie uh, on an
1: <clears throat> iPhone? The whole movie. Did he? I, I didn't know.
2: Yeah, that. it's called Unsane. Have you heard about it? No, no. <laughs> all shot on an iPhone. That's crazy. You're probably probably going to win an Oscar for it. And you know, just take a look at the the, the, the promotional video for um for for Rubberhead. Yes. Yeah. You couldn't you you couldn't do a better job on a trailer just to pat my own back, but you couldn't do a better job <laughs> on a trailer for a two hundred million dollar movie. I mean, it's it's really good. all shot simply right here. Yeah. yeah. Same plot, same. Person. I know. It's amazing. It's all, it's, all done on, on a Mac. You know, that's why it's is. so
1: exciting to be alive right now. As much as everything is completely fucked up, it's also so great in terms of you know access to technology and crowdfunding. It's fucking amazing. I love yep. it. Yeah,
0: it's a whole nother world now. I mean, that's the thing about the crowdfunding thing, why I'm excited to see what you're getting into, Steve, is that the reality with it is, is the more you do of them and the more that you start to create this fan base, the more they can rely on you. And they see, oh, hey, I bought in, I get this thing I like, and now I'm part of this and I get to actually be, you know, integral in the manifestation of this thing. And so then, you know, you take it to that next level. Like Chet said, you get three volumes in, you still don't have your Sony deal, right? Well, kickstart your your show the way you want it, and by then you've got all these people that know they can rely on you for this content, they can rely on you for solid Kickstarters, you
2: know? That is the future. That is absolutely the future. It hasn't quite happened yet, but it's going to be now. Books are being done, but next thing you know, people are going to be crowdfunding television shows and movies, and it's going to work.
1: You could Kickstart a pilot to pitch, you know? That's another way. There's just so many options. It's it's amazing. It's crazy. It's great. But explain, can you explain the basic overall concept behind the book for people that don't know anything I mean, about I mean, Rubberhead? But the overall
2: concept is what I really wanted to do is I wanted to kind of open a window to the glory days of what we used to do with makeup effects. Because, you know, we were all kids. Mm. We were fucking kids. I know. <laughs> when this business exploded and we became rock stars, just like real rock stars. And I, I kind of wanted to open a window. but I wanted to, because you know how Technology has changed everything. We just talked about it, but you know, the future generations of, of, of makeup effects people and God knows there's still going to be a lot of them because we will always need physical things. Right. We will. What I think it's, it's, it's leading a little bit more into props and walk around costumes and that kind of thing. Stuff that you have to see with your eyes, you know, because, um, you know, producers aren't necessarily throwing a lot of money at the stuff anymore, but, I wanted to open a windows to show the future generations what it was really like back then. And to be very brutally honest about it. And, uh, you know, um, Mike Westmore wrote a book. Have you read his book? No, no. Yeah. Is he, he brutally he, he, honest? He, no,
1: okay. <laughs> he's,
2: not. he's not at all. Because he, he he's still said, working in, in makeup. <laughs> yeah, he said, you, you don't write a book like that until you're dead. <laughs> when you're on your death, but you, you put that book out. But I don't care. I just don't, literally don't care anymore. And so Right, he, right. I, I wanted to do something that would show people what it was like back then, because it was really fucking fun. And it was so cool. And it kind of still is, but it's, it's become more about putting gas masks on and working with Poison in an unventilated shop right now. The- I mean, it's, I mean. The, the, I, here's what I'll say, and I know I'm gonna lose a lot of people with this, but I think that our business, our beloved industry has kind of degenerated to a point where it's become more like, instead of the outrageous geniuses like you, and like screaming at George and all the people, Rick Lazzarini, all these people that, you know, used to be working together in the same studio, the, the the really smart people are doing other things. Right? <laughs> You're paying. I'm I'm right. right. But but the new generation of effects people just don't mind putting on gas masks and working with poison and doing repetitive things. And why did I get off on the tangent? <laughs> well, They're, that's that that's that's probably just that's, off ten thousand sales. No, that,
1: I mean that's but that's go back in a race.
2: That's but that's uh that's you, you know article now and it's not the, yeah the and the and the rick bakers and the dick smiths don't exist anymore. i
1: know and the the budgets are lower and the time frames are faster it's it's all about you know every so
2: basically set up to fail
1: or just not do the best work possible that's the bummer thing is that there's
2: <laughs> just look at it and they, they're all like well no wonder let's just fix it in post you know right. and and you try to tell them, but if you'd have given us the prep time, if you'd have given us the money, you wouldn't have to do that.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly.
2: You know, but I'll, I'll tell you the other thing is, and I, I'm going to walk all over you right here. No, That's what the point of the book is. And the point of the book is the ground is always shifting beneath our feet, always, always. The world is always changing. And you have to adapt or die. But it's the thing about the film industry is that we're the forerunners, usually, with change. But then it happens to everybody else. Look at self-driving cars. You don't know, need taxis. Taxi drivers are going to be put out of that. Yeah. No more parking structures. I mean. Truck drivers. Everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, artificial intelligence is a huge thing. It's taking over the world. It just happened to do it with our industry first.
1: Right. Yeah, For it's
2: true. It, it? But, you know, it's not a bad thing. And it's not a good thing. It's just a thing.
1: It's, it's just the way, way it fun. is. Yeah. Yep. yep. You well, got to deal with it, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's.
2: Here's the point of the book, you know, that, that, that
1: you have
2: to just accept and adapt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like a bank and moving to the jungle. Just yeah, how,
1: that Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to bring up is your story is insane. Like I was hearing about it as it was happening, you know, like when you left and and I couldn't, I was what like,
2: did what did you hear? Because oh. I left smoking cigarettes on my desk and just disappeared. <laughs> i was gone nobody had a clue i went to thailand to get a sex change operation i mean the rumors were outrageous
1: no i just heard that you well everyone that i know we heard that you just left and moved somewhere in the world kind of to escape everything and then no one heard anything from you and it was just like one of these crazy stories in the business because at the time you were like. At the top, it's like you. The thing is, is like the, the shops at, at the level of XFX and Tony's at one point, I remember we were all kind of like trying to get do one better. And we were all kind of on this certain level and we weren't up like I didn't think we were up like, you know, Rick Baker's or Rob's or everything. And we were kind of like this next level down Kevin Yeager's and we were all kind of competing and you were the one that went and went past everyone and, and we all went down kind of, you know Tonys and. I don't know about the other shops, but I know, you know, Tony's definitely, as much as they've been able to stay working still, that, you know, it, there was a down slope for a while. And you yeah. went up and you had this oh, the, amazing the, state that, of the that. was amazing. Well, you know, who would expect anything less
2: from me? I mean, the way I approached the business and the way I approached my art, who would expect anything less than me robbing a bank and fleeing the country as my <laughs> exclamation
1: point <of> the <laughs> what else would you expect it was the perfect ending to a, a perfect story i gotta say but then i saw you back on facebook and i was like whoa steve johnson's back and you know everyone was kind of talking about it and then you started posting these you know talking about writing this book and it's like just with everything i can't believe that you have the balls to, write, to tell that story. It's pretty amazing.
0: Well, you know, I even, I got to tell you, Steve, before I met you, because obviously I met you through chat, but I was out there for Son of Monster Palooza. And I was, uh, showing the documentary. I like to paint monsters. It was before we had actually gotten picked up by first run features for a distribution deal. And joy was with me, my wife, and we were up there and Chet and I were walking out of son of monster Palooza and Chet mentioned, he's like, Oh, Hey, that guy over there, you know who that is? And I was like, no, cause I am like, I'm a dummy when it comes to all this stuff. And (laughs) was like, that's, that's Steve Johnson. And he, you know, kind of gave me the like story about it. And this would, this would have been in like 2015. So this would be like three years ago, you know? And, uh, And and I was like, wow, that's interesting. And then you know, time passed, and your Kickstarter came around, and so it was just—it's interesting to me that my my first, you know, hear about it was like Chet kind of gossiping with me a little bit, not in a mean (laughs) way, but just like kind of like, dude, check out what happened to that guy. Look, he's back. You know. (laughs) Well, you know, the funny thing about it
2: is that you know, I I lost eighteen million dollars in one day, less than an eight-hour period. Um, I was working with Spike Jones for six months, not just bidding on the show. We were developing all the stuff for where the wild things are, yeah. you know, being paid by them. I was working
1: uh, at a shop that was bidding on that and you guys won it.
2: Yeah. Well, look what happened. But yeah. <laughs> then, uh, we also got Spider-Man three with the, the Venom character. And uh, so I'm like, OK, this is all great. I've got uh, 18 million dollars of revenue coming in uh, and uh, isn't that great? Who doesn't want 18 million dollars? And then in one fateful eight hour period, uh where the wild things are, Spike Jones called me and said, no, we've tried, but we're not going to do this animatronically. We're going to get the Henson Company to make a few fur fabric suits. We're going to do all the faces digitally. Sorry, you're fired. And uh, oh then God. Jim Addison, the guy that I had done Spider-Man 2, the Dr. Octopus character with, came in and said, look, we think your $3 million bid is too high. We're going to we're going to do it all uh, digitally. And so there goes $18 million. Yeah, <laughs> I snapped. I snapped. And it was literally two weeks later I went to Costa Rica because I thought my, I thought to myself, OK, you know, the universe is speaking to me somehow because, I, 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 you know, people thought I was very successful. You've been saying it, Chad. I never felt successful. I always felt like I should be doing something. I've, more.
1: I've been to your house, your old house. Oh, my God. That's that's amazing that you were successful oh, as you. hell. <laughs> that's like the nicest house i would ever been in. <laughs>
2: No, oh, but see, I didn't see it that way. I mean, I bought that house and I go, okay, I'm going to tear it down and then grandfather it in. And what? I spent much dollars and two years rebuilding it. Yeah, Wow. So, But, but you know, I never felt that I was successful because I always felt that I should be doing something more.
1: Huh.
2: As you know, after you do something for 30 years and somebody says, okay, make the nose bigger. And you make it bigger and they say, make it smaller. Oh,
1: God, I it God.
2: that's too small. Small. And they take the ears off, put them back on. More, pathos, those, less. pathos, those. And you just want to. <laughs> Pull your
1: eyeballs out. 13% more
2: pathos. <laughs> exactly. 13% more pathos.
0: <laughs>
2: you, you, you just think, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. Yeah. I, be, I should be doing something. So I thought, okay, $18 million dollars a dollar The universe is not only talking to me, not whispering, screaming to me. And so I left and I thought, this is great. I can throw my phone away. I don't have to make notes all day, 15,000 things I've got to do. I don't have to return phone calls. I don't have to do anything, get away from the hookers and the drugs and the sex and all the insanity. So I moved to a tiny little village in Costa Rica called Capos. And what I didn't realize is all the smoking hot girls are hookers and the streets are literally with the purest cocaine you've ever done international pub for distribution oh my god I, it's like sending a gambling addict to vegas mike to, <laughs> <laughs> like doing this country to write a book and get away from the phone calls it was insane so yeah it was sort of-
1: wow so how did you find that place how did you end up there strangely enough, I have never, I've traveled a
2: lot and that's the only thing I actually really like about my life is I've been everywhere that I ever wanted to go almost and I continue to do so, but um, I, I had some friends that that, that really sparked and inter- they said, okay, look, um, Sarah Rabano and Joe Dunkley, do you know them? No. Uh, they worked with Weta. They're Weta's Oh, uh, okay. They did, um, I mean, everything Weta does, they, they do. They're the makeup artists on the shows. <clears throat> makeup artists Sarah prop maker, Joe. Okay. Um, So they lived in Los Angeles and they got rid of their apartment and their car and all of their bills. And they said, instead of paying for an overpriced apartment and a car car note and insurance and electricity and all this stuff, we will take that money and we will just travel with it. And that made a lot of sense to me. It's like all the money you spend in Los Angeles, maybe at the, at the very lowest, it costs five or $6,000 a month to stay alive here. Right. So they took that five or $6,000 and they just started traveling. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? I'm like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Interesting way to live because if you, you know, and so they went to Costa Rica first and they stayed there for a month and they thought, well, I don't speak the language. I've never been there before. I'm going to
1: move there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I was surprised. <laughs> Uh, th- that was part of the rumors that you were never going to come back. I know? wasn't. I wasn't. So come what, back. How, how did you, why did you come back?
2: Well, I made a, I made a promise to myself and, you know, because I've been writing a lot of short stories and a lot of essays and, you know, I, I read a lot and that's, you know, that's part and parcel for writing. So I'd always wanted to write. And um, I told myself I'll get away from the phone calls. I'll get away from the hookers and and poops. I'll get away from all this <laughs> stuff <laughs> and write and uh, write my first novel, my full-length novel, my first full-length novel. And basically, it'll be a master's thesis because I've never written a novel. I've written a lot of short stories. Well, I'm not going to leave this jungle until I finish my book. Well, the book ended up being 1,200 pages, and it's insane. It's called Unhinged, and it was such a fun thing. And I treated it like um, Stephen King, where it was a job every single day. I'd wake up when the toucan started calling, and the howler monkey started, you know, I couldn't sleep because you know when the sun rises in the jungle, all the animals come to life, right. and so I wake up and I would write, and I had a quote. it would be five handwritten pages. And about eleven o'clock in the morning, I would get on my motorcycle because the the place I lived was on the cliffs. You couldn't even drive a car there; wow. you had to have a drive vehicle or a or a motorcycle to get there. And it was insane because some asshole <laughs> ten years of previously had said, "This is dangerous. This cliffside, you know." Literally 400 feet to the to the ocean. Oh my god! And, uh, so some guy poured two concrete ribbons down the, the mountain so that you t- car tires could get up it. You what know, I'm, so, I'm uh-huh. saying? Yeah, yeah. But what he didn't realize is the rains, and the monsoons would erode <laughs> the, oh, the pointer. So there are these three foot tall <laughs> <laughs> balancing, and I'm trying to balance on my motorcycle. So there's a 400 foot drop on one side, and there's scorpions and snakes <laughs> on the other side. That yeah, is crazy. That is
1: insane. I, I forgot what I was talking about. Uh, you're writing your book, and how? Why so you're you came about back? You're
0: tuning like doing it every day, like a job. And at 11 a.m., you would. So I would I would go to the village every day and do my whatever I had to do. Um, just to get out of the house,
2: right? And then I would come back in the afternoon and edit, so it was a job. But, you know, it was my master's thesis in learning how to write, and it's crazy. And someday, when I'm dead, someone will probably publish it, because it's kind of like what Hunter Thompson's first book is. Um, it's, it's very much like, a, do you remember? It's made a Johnny Depp movie out of it, what was it called? Oh, The Rum Diaries? Rum Diaries, yeah, yeah. Where he m- moved to Puerto Rico and actually. Oh, right, right wrote about what was really happening, but also fantasized it. Right. That's exactly what I did. Cause right. I didn't know what else to write about. I'm like, oh, I'm in the jungle. Yeah, My girlfriend's a hooker. <laughs> well, what am I gonna do? <laughs> i <glad> about that. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, but the point is to get back to your answer. Um, at the end, when I finally decided the book was finished, 1200 pages later, I said, well, I can't, I've got an no internet connection down here. I've got, and, and you know, a year in the jungle is probably enough. Let's go back to America and try to sell this thing. So I sent it to Stephen King, who's been a friend of mine many, many years. And Stephen had warned me. He said, look, my mother always told me, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. He never was. Oh, <laughs> so, ouch. <laughs> I know. So I'm like, okay, great. I thought Stephen would pick my book. And I'd be like, no, you I've never failed at anything in my life. But now I'm stuck having spent all my money. And with no company to fall back on, and I'm like, what do I do now? And I got suicidal. I really did. Because I'm like, okay, I, I, I threw away everything. I've got you know I writing was is it I, I have to say, Chet, you're a painter.
1: Oh bugs. Sorry, oh, can you hold on Hold on That's oh, hey. Dotty? Hey. Oh, hey, 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 hey oh, Shut up, hey, 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 hey. I'm, 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 I'm,
0: We're just gonna take a brief interlude here, folks, while Steve gets some coffee and Chet calms the dogs down. Hey, this is Mike Sorry, Chet's back. There's Chet. <laughs> hey, where'd he go? He's he was taking a break, and I've just been talking to people while I was waiting for you guys. Because anytime people go away, I start doing voices and stuff. Okay. And just, silly. <laughs> Sorry about that. So I, I filled the space up with
2: just silliness. Did you? I've complete Mike. I told you to remember. Where was I?
0: <laughs> Damn, Mr. You were telegraphic memory. You were talking about Stephen King and how he wasn't going to do do the book and writing at that point in time for you was.
2: Oh, so I, I got you? suicidal
0: because <laughs> I've thrown away my company. I have nothing to fall back on now. Um,
2: what do I do with the rest of my life? And and my one of my ex girlfriends came to my rescue and she said, "You know what?" She goes, "Writers write. They don't care if people read it." They do it for themselves. Just pick your fucking pen back up.
0: And it changed my life. And I, what I started doing Steve, then. Steve, wait, I'm going to stop you, Steve. You know what this is right here? This is Ernest Hemingway. And it says the writer must write what he has to say. And it's on the side of this box not, right not, here. Not he
2: speaking. Him.
0: Are you telling me to shut up, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a rough podcast, wouldn't it? No, I'm just showing you I can definitely relate to what you're, uh, what she said to you.
2: No, and it really changed changed my life because before, like I said, the, the book in Costa Rica was kind of this weird hallucinogenic version of what was really happening to me, which very much like the rum diaries was, was fun. Right. But I started trying on different clothes and I started writing from the point of view of a transvestite or a girl or an old woman. And it was so fun. And it's the closest, look, art, here's the way I see it. Art is... Something you don't do, but you get out of the way. Yeah, and for I'll sure. And something else to use you, because I think it's God. I know a lot of people may not like that word, but you mm-hmm. know, for better. Course, we say it people. a lot on here. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, agree. Chet says it a lot. God
1: damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a God guy.
2: But, you know, God is a creative force, or whatever you want to call this right. thing. Creative force that doesn't have fingers, and it needs your fingers to paint, to write, to play music, to, to you know, yep. and so, but so when you do your best art, what you're really doing, in my opinion, is you're learning to slide out of the way and let that force come through you and use your body to create. Right. And that to me is what writing is. And I never felt that way with makeup effects ever right. because they say 13% more pesos.
1: <laughs> well, it's the, it's the, <laughs> it's the same thing, except you're letting. The creative spirit or God do it instead of some asshole. Because basically, when you're doing effects, you got some producer asshole. is like, basically, you're his fingers for his dumb vision. But with, yeah. with the creative spirit, you got well, you know you know it's, it's gonna be good.
2: It is, and I learned this from Clive Barker. I mean, Clive used to. I mean, he's such a prolific painter and mm-hmm. splatter paint all the time. Hey,
0: Bowie <laughs> <holy>, shot it.
1: <laughs> it's the dog show.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's all right. You know, I think it's funny because I know that when people are, people have told me when they listen to this show, you know, they don't expect it coming just like we don't, you know? So they're sitting there listening to us right. you know? And then all of a sudden they're like, whoa, fuck sucks. <laughs> It's
2: like an ice pit going in my, he's just so random about it too. you am just listening to an ice. Oh. <laughs> And I'm so sensitive. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 I'll prove it to you. He knows I you're was, talking about him. I was
2: just saying something profound, too, and it my was a,
1: dog ruined it. It was about Clive.
2: Oh, Clive would say, yeah, I can't take uh, responsibility for this. It's not me. And
1: right. it's true. It, <laughs> yeah. it's,
2: it's not. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and it, it, you know, I never really felt that way with sculpture, and I never really felt mm. that way creating an effect, although it was a lot of fun, but going down to Costa Rica and committing myself to stepping out of the way and understanding that it's like, it's, it's like having an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs>
1: Don't worry about it.
2: <laughs> you know, it really is like, yep. out, you, you've got to learn to kind of slip out of the way. And let, let that thing come through you. And that is like, for me, it feels like I know what Mozart must have felt like or, or, Right, I'm gonna kill that dog. (laughs) Well, you know what's cool? What's art? It's art at its pure. Listen, when I write, I'm the I'm the director. I'm the production designer. I'm the actors. I'm all of these things, and and not just the makeup of X guy. I'm doing everything. I'm the the director of photography. I'm the editor. Mm -hmm. My writing is very much about editing. You know where you lead the eye and the mind. And to me, it's just been such an incredible opening to understand. Art And I'm goddamn thrilled. I get it. Even though I'm poor, I've got an eviction notice on my door every fucking month. It's more fun. Right. than Doing 13% more pathos
1: Right. <laughs> <Yep>. It's true. <laughs> and that's the thing about, you know, I love that parallel between pure art making and spirituality because, or, you know, particularly, I think the goal of most religions is the same as the goal of like a good psychedelic trip, which is it's all about, getting rid of the ego and letting basically God come through you or, or your true self. And that's exactly the same thing with art. It's all about getting your ego out of it the is. way.
2: It absolutely
1: is. You know, so that's why art is a spiritual thing, a spiritual practice, really. Absolutely. Is, and it, you
2: know, it's really interesting. I mean, the one type of art that I'm very much appreciate, but I've never really been able to understand how it's created is music.
0: Mm. And, are either
2: of you guys, do you write music? Or you yeah.
0: Music? Chet, Chet's an incredible yeah. musician, and actually, you know, when I started working on the documentary, he was like, oh yeah, I got some music kicking around, is she, you know, should check it out, and he acted like a little demure about it, and he sent me this, this band Is, and it was just like, every song was a hit, straight up, like the whole album is just hit after hit after hit. Was, it was so good. <laughs> I, I would like go up and work the ditches, work the, the ir- irrigation ditches up here, the acequias and I'd be up there with just blasting Chet music all digging on the, you know, digging the <laughs> ditches Getting ready for the waterways, you the, know. The He's an incredible musician.
2: Oh, t- t- so, but, thank but you. Chad, the song and the
1: the theme song of the show is I wrote that so.
0: That's the thing song the Jeffersons. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, no, actually, it, Steve Chet, Chet got me making music because I've always heard music in my head my whole life, but I've never been able really to do anything with that. But I can hear this music. And so he was like, dude, you have GarageBand on your computer. What the hell are you doing? Like, you could use your keyboard and play it like a piano. You should, what are you doing? So I was like, hey, yeah, he's right. So ever since then, I've been creating all kinds of music. I scored this whole podcast, I did Emails from Infinity for a book I wrote. And and it's it was it's that experience, okay. you know. Uh-huh.
2: First of all, Mike, that, that's cheating. Using GarageBand is cheating. We both know this. <laughs> but secondly, but, uh, but don't you have to hear it in your mind first? This is where I'm lost with music. I mean, I can hear stories, and I know how I come up with a, 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 a piece of writing because it's the character first, it's the setting, and then I think, 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 and then I can't not think about it. But with music, how do you do
1: it? The 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 thing with music is for it, it's. I approach the music the same way I do art. Our- I rarely hear music before I start writing it. It's the same way with drawing, yeah, or painting. It's like I usually don't have an idea when I start. I just kind of start messing around and doodling, and then I wait to see something that I like, and then I start building upon that. So with music for me, um, and I was all about songwriting, it was more about songwriting than I wasn't a great player, but I'm a pretty good songwriter. And it's all just, you just start strumming. You love this. You just start. He's a good guitar player. Not not really. But, uh, Drumming, you start strumming you just start noodling around and then when you hear something you go okay that sounds kind of cool and then you just start playing with that and then you just keep building That's how on i that. do it
0: too on GarageBand. same thing i'm just like I, I pick different synth sounds and different drum beats and things and i start screwing around making. it and then you're like oh i like that okay i'm gonna do that and record that and then i'm gonna go to another track and come up with another instrument and i'm gonna start messing around oh that sounds cool right I'm, it's, the, it's the one thing i
2: think i think my issue is i'm a frustrated musician and maybe in my next life Because I I just the one thing I can't figure out is how to come up with that one chord, that one beat, that one song that no one's ever heard before.
1: You just gotta learn (laughs) GarageBand.
0: Seriously, (laughs) he he did this to me. He's right though. It's so cool seriously, he was right. He was like, my he bugged me for like three months. He was like, why are you not doing it? And he's, he's good about that. He'll keep me on my toes. So eventually I was like, okay, I have to cave and do it at least just to placate Chet, you know, but it was the best thing ever. Cause I sat down and I was like, wow, I, now I, anytime I need music for a video that I'm working on, I can make it myself. It's really fucking easy yeah. actually. I mean, I'm certain people
2: would say, you know, cause you know, my, my books are a little bit fictionalized, but they're you know, basically based on on real life, but I've written a lot of fiction. People always say the same thing: How do you come up with such a textured right. real yeah. character? How do you come up with such a textured real world? But it's work. You know, people don't exactly. realize that it's work. It is really yeah. fucking hard work, and it's why I took the Stephen King technique of waking up in the. You know, that's your job. You can't just wait. Listen, plumbers don't wait for inspiration to fix mm. a pipe. They just go fucking <laughs> exactly. <sex. laughs> So exactly. you can't wait for inspiration to, to write a book or to make a painting either. You just got to fucking do it. And let yeah. it you.
1: yeah. You know, people will tell you too, oh, you're so talented as a compliment, which is nice, but it's it's kind of missing the point in the sense that it's mostly all the work you've done to get to the point where mm-hmm. you're at now. Because it's like every day, you got to work at it for years and years and years and years to be any good. You know, it's about doing the, putting the work in. I know a lot of People that have a lot of natural ability, but they don't have the drive to work hard, and so they're not. Well, you know, that's Chet. That's
0: even what Joy would always say to me. She was like, you know, the only reason I even married you is because I met so many people in my life that were like, oh, I'm going to write a book, or I'm going to make a movie, or I'm going to do that. And she was like, you're the guy that actually will do it, even you know, if it just is something you do and it goes nowhere. Which is, you know, I have like four novels and three screenplays that I've written over twelve years, and that's great. But the point is, is I would do it. I would put the work in, and that's what she admires about it is that it does doesn't matter it's just the fact that you say you'll do it and then every day you work on it every day without fail you know yeah Stephen. Stephen. oh my god this dog Stephen Norrington. our fans are dog people i have dogs here yeah. too it's just joy well, this happens on the
1: podcast all the time don't even worry all about the time
0: you. okay hang on i'm gonna show him to you oh, yes.
1: <laughs> dog time he sounds cute no he
0: is a freak show oh, what a sweet sweetie. Oh, look at those eyes what a beaut. okay keep, keep them there. there hold him up I gotta take a screenshot yeah. Steve of all of okay. us for the for the dark art society so we have everybody
1: Perfect. yay what's up with his there eye what a trip
0: beautiful shut him up no he's got a blue eye in it that's so cool favorite. it's yeah. like he's got a he's got an ocean in there
1: yeah what a beauty
0: <laughs> him up he's a nervous <laughs> <rat>. <laughs> he wants to sit in your lap oh, that picture is so <laughs> sweet that I got oh what a nice picture Cool, All right, listen, you
2: know, we've almost gone an hour here. I want to. I want to do two things real quickly. Um, God damn it, the, the launch for Rubberhead One, sorry Rubberhead <laughs> Two, is next <laughs> is next Tuesday. With, uh, next, goddamn it, I'm getting everything wrong. Let's party! April second with the Stan Winston School, and it's going to be a live Kickstarter, live Kickstarter launch. So, oh, cool. Everybody's got to tune in at one o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And just knock this out of the park. Where, w- Mike, Mike, what you keep saying is that those first few days are so important. So let's yep. pimp that. I mean, and, and you know, Matt's an incredible guy, and it's going to be really fun because every time I go on a show with—did you guys ever see any of the shows I did with Matt? He, no. He loves- what's the what's
1: wh- what? Where is this debuting? You said Stan. What was this? Stan okay.
2: Winston School of Character Arts are doing a on live Facebook?
1: On yeah, Facebook? Oh, Okay.
2: Live Facebook event to oh, launch it next monday at one o'clock pacific standard time and matt lets me uh, curse and be drunk on air and cool and they're gonna give away a bunch (laughs) of awesome stuff too they're like every seven minutes they're gonna give away stuff stuff. the audio book they're giving away a six month subscription to the stan winston school yeah it's it's gonna be really fun it's gonna be really great it's a great way to launch it because it's live definitely that's awesome so what's that's done the other thing god damn it um We didn't talk about anything I wanted to talk about in this hour. We
1: we, we can go longer than an hour unless you have to leave.
2: Entheogens, no, because if we start any of these subjects, we'll be here till Chinese New York.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what we always say, Steve? We always say we're going to do a part two. We'll do a Steve Johnson part two. yeah, yeah. yeah. In a part of three, in a part
1: Wait, of four. Let's say it again, Mike. You, you were talking over. What did you want to talk that's about? Why I
0: keep my mouth shut, <laughs> I, guess. I
2: thought we we could talk for hours on entheogens, the entheogenic experience, definitely. Uh, out of body experiences, sleep paralysis, all of these things, which we didn't even get to. I know. But if we start now, we'll, we'll never, we'll never get there because you know the thing is. You two are the people again. This is why I didn't want to talk about rubberhead on this. <laughs> I finally got you guys. I wanted to talk about stuff that interests me.
1: But <laughs> well, we get, uh, we'll, we'll do it for an, well, another episode. You know, we'll definitely have you if you're willing to come back on. We'd love to have you just to talk about that is stuff.
2: That, to, you know, to, three brethren that have common interests that we have to do it publicly instead of just talking. about it. <laughs> Yeah, right. Well, you know, oh, you might as well. That tells
0: you. That oh, tells that you about counts. the workload. <laughs>
2: it doesn't count we don't want
1: to do it. <laughs> people love it though people it's people there's other people too you know the dark art society is a is, is a larger brethren and they they want to hear about it as well so um you know it's, well, you
2: have it's, no fucking. well actually you do what am I saying? <laughs> but but the thing is I'm oh my god I mean here okay let me just say one thing <clears throat> um there is something bubbling and boiling right under the surface of this reality that is hiding in plain sight mm-hmm. and it's so well because it, what I'm talking about are entheogenic substances because they give you this direct connection to the universe, to God, to all the answers, but they're hiding under the cloak of saying, ah, eh, it was just a hallucination. Right, I know. <laughs> How fucking cool is that? It's, you know? Yeah, and it's
1: I know. amazing. It's, yeah, I, I can't, you know, we've talked about it, we haven't done it the
0: no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've been bugging Chet about doing what I'm going to call the episode for like nonstop now since we started. And the thing is, is Chet really wants to be in the right space to do it. And I respect that because Chet has some things that he likes to impart in certain ways about that subject. And I and again, I respect that. But I think Steve should be on the episode the It should be the three of us Absolutely. and we should do the episode together because yeah. that would get a, a fire that, under Chet's ass to do it because I've been begging. Near death experiences, all of this stuff, out of body experiences, sleep, all of it
2: is, is, is it's a part and parcel of the same thing.
1: Yeah, dream definitely.
2: Like, dreaming. I mean, it's insane. And I've got so. It's I mean, I have my podcast almost every night.
0: Yeah.
1: What's
0: that, oh yeah. Well, oh, pod- I said you need to. You need to listen to my podcast, Emails from Infinity. It's all about all that stuff. I think you'd like it. It's autobiographical. It's a pretty fascinating story. It's all the whole first part of it's done as well and available on SoundCloud. Okay, I'm done with my pitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's all about trips and, and dream journeying and it's really good. But yeah, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. Yeah, it's... it's don't so
2: the- talk about it now, but we'll be here for hours.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, we could talk about it again. It's just a good excuse to... uh Bring you back on? You oh, know? Yeah, no
2: definitely. Because I, I don't know. Did, I mean, I know a few people, but I don't know. I think anyone other than you two guys that are public about these types of things. because yeah, yeah. Sometimes
1: people don't
2: want to be public about it because, like, yeah,
1: that guy's nuts. Oh yeah, people think, oh, he's just doing drugs, and it's you know, yeah. it's just a drug thing, and it's not. It's not mm-hmm. at all. And it's like the only people who know that it's not are the ones that have done it. And have had that yep. experience. It's like, and when you have it, you know. As soon as you have that experience, it's like, oh no, this is not drugs. This is not like what I thought it was. The first time you do it, you're like, oh, this is way different. And then you also have that feeling like, oh man, I know this place. I've I been here this. before, even it's though you've really never done true. it. It's like it feels so, like yeah. you're coming home or something. It's 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 oh such a trip. says
2: salvia divinorum, I mean, to me, is a homecoming. I mean that 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 the, Uh, see, we're gonna have some great experiences with that one as well. (laughs) Did you?
1: Uh, Let me ask you one thing. You don't have to explain, but did you take ayahuasca down there? Where? Down in Costa Rica?
2: No, no, not at all. No, but I've been to Peru four times and done probably eighteen or twenty ceremonies. Yeah, in Peru. Wow! Wow! Amazon, actually, the, with the shamans, the way you're supposed to wow. do Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And also, you know, going into the high Andes and doing wachuma, which is the male version. I mean, the true shamans like to balance. Uh, ayahuasca is a feminine spirit. Mm-hmm. Wachuma is a cactus-based thing, and it's the, the masculine version of it. With ayahuasca, you're meant to do it in silence and in the dark. Go within. With wachuma, you're meant to celebrate and go outside. Oh, out. wow. And so if you mix the two... Oh, my God, I'm getting chills. <laughs> <laughs> Do them properly. You will never be the same. Oh, it's light, yeah. They'll go to uh, Thailand and have a sex change operation. <laughs> 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 15% more recos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess we kind of have to wrap it up, but let me, I want to think, let me think if there's anything else I missed. One, one thing, I you know, this is like a really stupid question, but I always wonder, what's it like to be a millionaire? And it's a totally stupid question. What's it like to be that rich? It's a great question. I'll tell you
2: exactly what it's like to be a millionaire. It's no different than having an eviction notice on your door every fucking month at the beginning of the. It's no different.
1: At all. I always believed that. Because you're still worrying about losing it? Is that the thing? well.
2: well it, yeah, because when you're a millionaire and you've got you know eight million dollars in your account, you've also got nine million going out. So right. you're always worried about that extra million, you know, or, or, or how you're going to get the next newest Mercedes. But when you're <laughs> broke, it's the same. You know, it is. If I've learned anything, it's the same. And I've traveled a lot, and what I've seen is this: is I think here's this is a great way to end the show. I think that. Um, when we're all born, we are handed equal amounts of joy and pain, and you just experience them the one way. Right. I mean, I, you know, because very, very poor, starving kids in Africa still have fun. They do. You see them right. laugh, and, you know, and and but, you know, you, you, you look at, you know, Donald Trump's kid, and he's, he's laughing at times, but, you know, it's just, you're handed the same amount of joy and pain. It's equal, and you just experience it your own way. And so it doesn't matter if you're a millionaire, if you've got an eviction notice on your door, you are just as happy or just as sad in the same way. It's all about you and how you experience it, but it's the same.
0: Wow. Do you know, answer. Steve, it's, it's funny. That's a, that's a beautiful thing to say. And, and it corroborates something I've been telling my wife for a long time, cause she's had a very, a very difficult life and she's seven years older than me. I'm 38. So she's up there in, in the little bit, Ten years below check kind of deal, um, and the thing is, is that you know I always tell her I say you know the reason she's like why is it all fucked up and I'm like the reason it's fucked up is because you're paying into the suffering bank that's what I always call it the suffering bank and eventually you're gonna cash the joy check you know the pleasure check because it all balances so it's like if you've spent this much time being miserable what that means is you have a lot of good shit in store for you that's right. about to happen <laughs> you know so you just proved that for me uh, at least I your own traveling experience waiting at the bank for me
2: then buddy
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you, you 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 had a what in the whole 90s you had a, a, a you were you were making a lot of uh joy so you had to you know go to the suffering bank for a while
2: i did and the, you know the interesting thing is when when does it end i mean yeah <laughs> I, I paid it i paid my dues <laughs> yeah. i Everybody knows that I was a jackass. I was a rich, spoiled brat, but I came from a very poor background and then I got rich and then I got poor. So does that mean I get rich again? I don't know. I,
1: I, I think it could. I think it could. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> been, I think the most
2: fun and what a great way to launch Rubberhead, which we didn't even hardly talk about um, the most fun and exciting and interesting podcast I've ever done.
1: Well, really thank fun. you. Appreciate thank it. You. Well, thanks for coming on. It was really fun having you, and it, and it went too fast. So um, we're definitely going to have you on again for sure. Well,
2: we, we gotta we gotta do the uh, the one we talked about
0: because um, yeah, we'll
1: do it for sure for sure. Well, and that's hey, everybody, great. in the meantime, you can
0: go over to facebook.com forward slash rubberhead book. And if you go over there, you'll be able to find what is going on and all the posts and all the ads and all the videos and everything that peripherally relates to this uh, rubberhead experience that's about to launch on the April 2nd,
1: Monday. And I can vouch, I, I can, uh, let me vouch for volume one. It was really, really good. When I got, I Backed up the first Kickstarter, and when I got the book, I sat down. I actually read it straight through without stopping because I couldn't stop because it was so good. So I, I highly recommend hey, getting it. And
0: we're also you probably you know what else we're missing? <laughs>
1: no, no, no.
0: <laughs> actually no. You know, you know what? You guys, we haven't mentioned at all. What's the what's on the cover of Rubberhead Volume Two?
1: Oh,
2: what is? Oh what, my what
0: god! What does Chet <laughs> have to do with that? <laughs> what is it?
2: The scene is about emotionality.
1: <laughs> I'm painting Chet the cover. Is,
2: look, I'm going to I'm gonna do my uh, my kickstart. Chet Czar is painting the cover. <laughs>
1: Very good. I'm painting the cover if he
2: ever finishes
1: it. I'm doing it. I'm working on it. T- I worked on it last night. It looks, It's looking great. It's actually what I like about this oh, painting. It's awesome. It, it, it uh, It's one of those ones that's just coming out easily and it's not giving me any trouble. And those are my favorite paintings to paint.
2: Uh, well, that's good to hear, because I thought that the, the Hollywood sign, the rubber, what it is, guys, if you don't know, is that, um, it's it's the Hollywood sign, except it says rubberhead, and it's on fire with a typical Chet Czar apocalyptic background and a little guy with the match it's, it's it tells a story it's a it, in one image it really does it's just beautiful
1: yeah super fun to paint so i'm i'm stoked about it so it will be done in time so don't worry about that i'm going to work on it today and um
0: and guys so that, 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 that painting <laughs> is going to
1: be available as a
0: reward through the that's kickstarter right.
1: that's right yep and, I mean, I'm gonna, and
0: it's
2: tough i apologize again for making you do the math because the hollywood sign has to be really fucked up to paint
1: yeah, you know what? it was easier than I thought it was going to be. I was I was dreading it, but it's actually easier than I thought. So <laughs> he doesn't lie because
0: this morning he told me he he sent me the picture of it and he was like, "Man, it's going so easy. I'm so happy with it." Yeah, those and are my favorite paintings that these days. So. Yeah, because sometimes
1: they're easy. The for me,
2: about this is the first time I've actually seen in great detail what your process is. Because the way you kick out work, you're so prolific. It just feels like you just shit on a canvas and it turns into a beautiful piece of artwork. <laughs> but now I'm seeing how much time you take, right. and how, you know, and it's like, I, I didn't, I had no idea. And I think this is what's so great about your Patreon. You should pump that too, because all these time lapses and people. Can oh, move yeah. It in.
1: yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm uh, going to start posting the uh, progress uh, time lapse video, painting the rubberhead painting as well as pictures of the updates on it and um that's at my patreon which is going really well and that's patreon.com
0: forward slash jet czar that's it
1: yes and actually i'm two patrons away from uh raffling off an item from my studio so um you could be one of the two if you jump in get some yes so yeah thank you for that
0: well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Dark Art Society once again. You guys can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, PodBay, Google Play, SoundCloud, and we would love ratings and reviews over at iTunes because that helps push us up to the charts where more people can find us. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys all next Wednesday. Thanks, but, Steve, for coming. Yeah, thank hey, you so much.
2: When is this uh, going on?
0: Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Two days okay excellent well then I'll have to start preventing it too again thank you guys so much
1: this was a blast oh yeah it was great awesome. totally totally fun and we're gonna have you on soon again so yes. I'm gonna be bugging you soon yeah.
2: Now we have to talk about the real deal
1: yeah yes <laughs> alright so uh, thanks everybody for listening and goodbye goodbye peace bye